Good afternoon and welcome to the show. Well, I've got a action-packed one for you this week. I have to tell you, I have lots to talk about, so much going on in the news. Uh, a little bit later on in the hour, I've got Mike Chesahovsky from CBRE. He's going to be joining me. He is my commercial expert. And we are going to be talking, obviously, about the biggest biggest thing that happened this week in the commercial industry. You got it. Uh, something I'm going to elaborate on in a few minutes. Um, and on top of that, I'm going to have Jazz Takar join me. Jazz is the senior partner sales representative at the Real Estate Center with Roy LePage. And uh, always a great, uh, great chat when I have Jazz on the show. So um, let's jump right into what's going on in the market. Uh, it's been a really, really busy week. Most importantly, of course, we heard about the Vaughn uh, condo cancellation. Uh, 1,100 units. Guess what? Those of you that have bought, you're now receiving your deposits back. Apparently without interest. Um, that's one that you're going to have to take a look at your agreement of purchase and sale and say and take a look if the builder actually put in a clause that you have to receive interest. If they did not, if it actually says no interest payable, if it gets returned, you're going to be out of luck. So uh, that's that's the first part of this whole thing. You know what? When you start talking about a development like this, I mean, 1,100 units, that's a lot. And, you know, three towers, this is a very big development. And there's all sorts of reasons why units like this get canceled. You know, right now, the builder is citing the reason is uh, lack of financing. So why does that make any sense to anyone? Well, in most cases, and, and again, this is why I'm going to bring on Mike in a little while, and he's going to clarify a few of these things. But in my take, looking at the market where it's going, um, you know what, they could be struggling with financing. But then again, we've also seen a market that has had incredible increases and anywhere around, call it 40 to 50% increase in price since this was first released. So does it make sense for the builder to turn around, forego his profit? Uh, his costs have probably gone up if he's been a little bit slow to the plate. And so at the end of the day, is it uh, does it make sense for them to bail out? Will they come back rebranded? Could it be another company that's going to pick it up? Well, we'll have to wait and see because that one, I think, is going to chap a lot of people if, uh, if all of a sudden we see a new release come out and it starts at $800 a square foot. You know, most of the people right now recognize that if they were to go buy brand new today, uh, they're going to have to pay two or $300 more per square foot than when they put this thing under contract. So it's going to be a little bit of a rocky ride. And first of all, I want to, I, I, I want to apologize for all those people that got caught on this because obviously uh, you're kind of innocent bystanders on this. But um, I also, you know, I saw a headline in the news and I want to, I want to call foul on it just for a second. And it was a realtor that was uh, throwing out uh, saying that they would offer uh, half their commission to uh, somebody that got trapped on this one or, you know, got a cancellation and went and bought uh, another brand new condo. And, um, you know, I'm not, I don't want to take anything away from realtors, but just so you know, typically your average realtor gets an email, you know, at least once a week from a developer saying, hey, listen, we're going to pay you 4% if you bring your buyer. Well, the problem is, is that the realtor really doesn't intervene at all with your offer. In fact, they really bring nothing to the table. And I'm sorry for those guys that are out there saying, hang on, Todd, you know what, you know, they're my buyer and I get them, you know, shouldn't I get paid? Yeah, if you've been out working them and hustling them, educating them, doing everything else, yeah, I get it. But when, when people just turn around and say, hey, are you going to buy in that condo? Uh, use my name and I'll register you and I'll get paid a commission. That really is a not representation. That's basically, you know, 
giving uh, money to, to a realtor that hasn't really earned it. So if somebody is going to turn around and get paid a commission, what are they going to do? How do they earn it? Well, in this case, you know, how about the realtor actually gets the agreement of purchase and sale and sits down with the client, explains the entire thing. So I defy any agent that's going to go out there and actually do this. But you know what, if you're going to rep people, make sure that you know what they're signing instead of just worrying about that quick uh, incentive that you're going to get from a builder. So, you know, sorry if I'm uh, if I'm ticking a few people off, but at the end of the day, I've seen it happen year over year where people just turn around and say, hi, yeah, I'm registering my, my, my buyer. Yeah. Um, have you ever taken them out? No, but it's okay. You know, I think that's them. Uh, I'm not sure. But anyways, here you go. Here's their name and I get paid a commission. So again, I think that there's a lot more to agency and it's always a conversation that I like to have here on the show is that if you're going to have an agent represent you and they're going to make money, then you know what? Make sure they are representing you. Make sure they understand what they're doing. And at the end of the day, yeah, it's great that they're offering out half a commission, but I think it's kind of a little bit of a bait and switch. You know what? Um, how about they take you out and show you a few uh, resales first uh, before they uh, walk you down that aisle? Now, again, talking about these condominiums, you know, when we when we take a look at it, one cautionary note is if you haven't seen a shovel in the ground 12 months after you bought or coming close to 18 months, you should start being concerned. And what I mean by concerned, have a backup plan maybe. You know, have, have an idea that, you know what, maybe this is not going to complete on time. And, and keep in mind, builders are allowed to delay your closing. Um, take a hard look at this agreement of purchase and sale. I know most of them will be contingent on a uh, lawyer reviewing it. But uh, for a listener, for your own sake, please read the thing, you know, back to front. And I know, trust me, I, 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 I've read numerous, numerous uh, agreement of purchase and sales coming from builders. They're very lengthy. A lot of the, the verbiage that is in this is the ability for the builder to cancel or get out or delay. And keeping in mind that your condominium, they may not be registered, but you do have to turn around and it, you, you have an interim occupancy. And what I mean by that is your bank won't put your mortgage on yet, but in an interim occupancy, you actually have to pay rent to the builder until the building's registered. And so a lot of times when you have your closing, you actually do not have your mortgage registered yet because the, because the actual condominium is not registered. So the bank can't put their lien on title. So what ends up happening is you actually pay rent. So these are kind of some of the things that everybody should be well aware of. And if you're going to hire a realtor to represent you in a brand new sale, or for that matter, in a resale, make sure they have very strong knowledge in the condominium rules and regulations of buying something, okay? And I think it's very important that everybody know that. Uh, a couple other things that I, uh, that I saw that really, you know, uh, highlighted what's going on this year. You know, this stress test is making, making a real mess of things. Right now, people are struggling because what ended up happening was, you know, at the beginning of the year, we put in the stress test. But if you bought a year ago, uh, some people aren't qualifying. And so it's making it really difficult. Um, one of the things that happened uh, news uh, this week was a judge ruled in the favor of a seller. What happened was the buyer turned around and said, I can't close. I bought it last year, high price, can't close. It's not worth as much. I can't get as much financing. Well, the judge actually ruled in favor of the seller saying, well, you're going to have to pay the difference that the seller lost from, uh, has lost from that high price. This is an important fact for everybody to be well aware of. 
when you go for a long close, markets can shift. If you have not got an ironclad commitment to your mortgage, it can change. So what's happening now, and we're seeing a little bit more of this, and we're probably going to see a lot more uh, over the next two months, because the next two months are going to be the ones that we're going to see the greatest downturn. I'll talk about that in a second. But the one thing that people have to be concerned about is the commitment and when they're going to get their financing. Right now, the government is in flux. Our interest rates are going up a little. They put in the stress test. It's getting a lot tougher to qualify. Keep this all in mind. If you're looking 12 months down the road and you're going to set up your financing, let's say they give you the green light today, do me a favor, don't go buy the new car next week because it's going to affect your total debt ratio and it's going to make it harder for you to qualify on closing. So these are all things that everybody needs to be very mindful of. And so in the ruling with this case, I'd have to agree with the judge on this. And it's important that people know once you've got under a contract, the differential you're probably going to be responsible for. So it's kind of tough to bail out. So watch your closings and keep an eye on your spending. Remember, changing values, changing TDS ratios, it's going to make it a little bit tough. Um, just as you know, I, I try to do a question of the week. Just a quick overview for the one that I received from Christine this week. She'd mentioned that she's going to be renting out the top portion of her home and living in her basement. I think it's wonderful. Christine, congratulations if you're able to pull it off. But one of her concerns, of course, is how do you set up the actual lease? Again, uh, as of April 30th, all the leases are standardized through the government. But a couple things you can keep in mind. Make sure you can do an inspection report. Have them sign off at the condition of your property. Uh, very important you establish a dollar value for any damage. But <clears throat> if you're talking about your own personal home, since it doesn't have separate meters, one thing I need everybody to understand is that it's it's hard if you turn around and you say your monthly rent is this and by the way you have to pay your 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 percentage of the utilities if they pay their rent it's really tough for you to go after them for the utilities they can be, they cannot pay your you your, your utilities for a few months and they're not really in the arrears technically because it's a little bit harder to prove so best thing you can do if it's your home you've got one meter Figure out your costs and then turn around, roll it all in, roll it up if you have to give yourself a buffer. And at the end of the year, if they have not used nearly as much as you thought they would, then you can turn around and go backwards on it and give them a little bit of a discount. But roll it all in one, all inclusive, one set price, one set lease. It makes it a lot easier as a landlord. And uh, again, the government's doing everything, you know, more in the favor of the uh, the uh, uh, people that are renting right now, the tenants. And we got to keep our eyes on the landlords. It's very important that you know the rules and regulations to keep you compliant, but more importantly, protected. And uh, so that's one of the things if, if you're going to do a lease, you do an all inclusive, and then you can turn around and, like I said, go a little bit high, and you can give them a rebate at the end of the year if you feel that they didn't uh, leave the uh, leave the window open in the middle of the winter and crank the heat. So, just uh, a couple points. Um, better watch uh, over the next month or two. We're going to watch our numbers go down a little. My crystal ball is telling me that April, probably 20% year over year. I know these numbers are not pleasing people. I do believe that we're going to see a little bit of a rebound come the summertime as far as prices. I think we're going to stabilize a little. But right now, April and May are probably shaping up in around that uh, that much of a decline. Again, volume is going to be off, but the price is the one that people should be concerned the most with. And uh, as usual, right here, we're always going to keep our eye on the ball and give you up-to-date reports on what's going on. So again, that, uh, that Vaughn uh, condominium cancellation. 
like I said, the best person that I can talk to uh, about this is going to be Mike Chesahovsky, and he is the vice president, executive vice president at CBRE. He's going to be joining me up after the break, so stay with us. We'll be right back after this. And welcome back. If you're just tuning in, my next guest that is going to join me is Mr. Mike Chesahovsky, and he's from CBRE. That's right. You will recognize Mike's name. I've had him here quite a few times talking about commercial real estate. Um, and one of the things and, uh, you know, the biggest part of the news, as you heard just before the break that I was talking about, of course, was the cancellation of the Vaughn condo. And um, welcome back to the show, Mike. Thank you very much. Uh, you know, always a pleasure to have you. Uh, you and I have been talking about the whole inventory issue that the market is starting to have, you know, and the fact that, you know, even even the, the length of building seems to be extending for some of these builders. But what do you make of the most recent cancellation? You know, it's made huge headlines this week. Everybody's up in arms. You know, people are getting their deposits back, apparently without interest. Um, how, how do you see this whole thing? Well, there's a number of reasons why you can cancel a high-rise project. Uh, this one, uh, what feedback they gave the media, is unsatisfactory financing available for construction, which is not uncommon today if someone does not have enough equity or the bank is a little hesitant on the project overall uh, or they just want to push things. They might ask for more equity than the developer is willing to put forward or give financing at a cost that the developer feels is unfair, and they'll, they, they won't go forward. You know, it's interesting that you, you mentioned, uh, you know, the financing aspect. Um, this was a completely sold-out uh, development, 1,100 units, with all agreement of purchase and sales, plus, you know, substantial deposits. Mike, does that not show a lender, you know, the credibility of, let's say, the people that are actually going to be the end users? Yes. Generally, yes. Uh, it depends on what you sold units for, because there is circumstances where sales were done uh, far enough back that the prices that they achieved are not economical by today's standards because of the increase in construction costs. So that could be something that something was launched long enough ago and sold at prices that at today's level, given the construction costs now, are, aren't, aren't economical. Now, well, I'm trying to make excuses. Yeah, I know what I was just going to say. <laughs> um, but there's a number of projects that have been canceled over the last year for various reasons, uh, most of which are, I, I would think, more inexperienced of the developer than they are anything else, an inability to get construction financing. For this one, with Liberty, Liberty's one of our stronger developers. They're huge. They did a great deal uh, amount of condos. Uh, I'm surprised they canceled the project because they did have the sales to go forward. Uh, the only thing that I can attribute to the cancellation is that they sold at levels a year and a half or two years ago that today don't make economic sense for them to go forward. You know, that is a very interesting point. And Mike, you and I have touched on this before because, you know, I think there's been a few more cancellations that, that have happened and not hit the news. And right now, as we stand, we're looking at 1,100 units cancel. And, you know, a lot, of, a lot of the conversation right now at the water cooler is the fact that, you know, people were buying these units in around that five or $600 a square foot price, but yet now we know brand new stock is going, you know, 850 to 1,000 a square foot. 
is it possible, and I'm not asking you to put any one builder on the spot, but is it possible builders are also looking at it and saying, listen, our costs are going up and we can have a higher profit. Canceling this makes, makes sense for a corporation as well from a profit standpoint? Uh, definitely. Uh, I'm not saying that th- this is uh, motivated by greed, because that's what this is. is is a situation where, hey, I can get an extra $100,000 to the unit. We saw that even on single family in the late 80s. We saw people canceling during construction because they could get another $100,000 per home. On this type of situation, most of the big developers, most of the big builders care about their name more than they care about that extra profit. They're concerned that you won't come back and buy another condo off it. What's driving a lot of these cancellations? Uh, You know, we sat amongst my partners and I, and we had the discussion, and we went through a number of the cancellations over the last 12 months. I think the bulk of them is the inexperience or didn't have the equity to go forward more than just greed. Uh, I haven't seen any of these recent cancellations relaunch at higher levels. It's not saying that they won't, but it'll be interesting to see how the public reacts to units that are $150 a square foot more expensive six months from now and whether or not they'll buy. Yeah. You know, it's interesting because right now we're kind of in a, in a real fickle market because people that did purchase, uh, let's say, in the peak last year, and if we talk residential, uh, you know, more of a detached market, you know, prices have come down and a lot of them are trying to get out of their deals and leave the builder high and dry. In fact, uh, I'd been talking earlier about a, a situation where a judge, you know, they ruled in the favor of the builder um, because people wanted to bail out on him. And, you know, it's okay for people to buy and the price goes up and they're licking their chops and saying, hey, listen, you know what, we bought smart. But when the prices go down, they're all saying, listen, you know, we shouldn't be stuck to this. Well, exactly what you said is is they didn't, you know, over the past 10 years, no one went back to the builder and said, oh, by the time I closed, it was an extra 150. Let me split that with you. You know, no one did that. And I think there has been a slight adjustment, not as much on new homes as maybe it's a little bit more difficult to get the top price on your resale homes when it comes time to close. And people didn't leave a buffer for themselves. But I, I do blame the government for instituting these rules for the new qualifications for the mortgages and not grandfathering in all these people that had deals in place. I think they should have done that to allow those qualifications of deals that were already in the pipeline at the old rules and really set the new rules for people to look at whether or not they're going to go do a new deal and go forward. Yeah, no, I think that's a fabulous point, actually. And, and I hope that our listeners, you know, on voting day realize, you know, <laughs> what they may have to do, because in the situation, the government did intervene, they put the stress test in place, and now it's making it tougher. So as you said, if somebody bought, you know, 12, 24 months ago, uh, they could have qualified back then. But with the new rules and regulations, they're actually not able to qualify and people are struggling right now. So my quick question for you, are we going to see if you do you think that we're going to see a few more builders, you know, run into this situation? this year you know should buyers be cautious yes oh definitely I think we're gonna see more cancellations and uh, just sharing with you and your listeners we just received numbers from Altus that we really wanted to track how many projects in excess of 12 months from the point that they received 70% sales or better that they should have commenced construction and normally within that period of time within 12 months you're in the ground 
there's a lot of projects in excess of 18 months sitting with sales in place or sold out that have not commenced construction. Wow. So when you look at those numbers, you go, what are going to happen with those projects? If they sit 18 months or two years and haven't commenced, their costs are going to get to the point that it isn't economical to build anymore. So, yes, yeah. I, I, I believe that the listeners should look at it and say, show me somebody that has the track record of building. Make sure they've built a lot of projects. Make sure they have the money, the capability. I don't want to be their first high-rise project. Yeah. You know, yeah. this is the one time you don't want to be someone's first. <laughs> Listen, Mike, it's always a pleasure to have you on the show. Thanks for that feedback because it's really important, and, and I appreciate you, uh, appreciate you coming on. Thank you for the invite. That was Mike Chesahoski from CBRE. When we come back, I now will have Jazz Dakar join me, so stay with us. We'll be right back after this. And welcome back. So if you're just tuning in, this part of this show has, uh, you know, it's really gotten some traction. And I want to thank everybody for uh, reaching out to me and telling me how much they're enjoying it. And it's when I actually bring in somebody that is out there living the dream as a realtor and working right now in this, I would say, interesting market. So joining me right now, uh, he's actually a returning guest. It's Jazz Takar, and he is Senior Partner Sales Representative at the Real Estate Center, Royal LePage Signature uh, Realty. And welcome back, Jazz. Thanks a lot for having me, Todd. You know, uh, it's interesting because a lot of people, you know, <laughs> and here, how about we go, how about we step backwards? Um, Let's talk about 2017. We're now living 2018. And, you know, I kind of I joke when I say living the dream as a realtor. Um, you know, I think a lot of people were kind of in this delusional world last year. Now you, you know, you're, you're definitely out there. You're doing a whole lot of business, uh, you know, a lot of, a lot of media stuff that you work with. And, you know, 2018 is not the same, completely two different markets. Totally different markets, right? And so you mentioned about 2017. I think that time frame from January 17 to April 17, we really saw like an actual bubble in the market. And we haven't seen that in a very long time. Uh, expectations of sellers now in 2018, which is understandable. You know what? My neighbor sold for uh, a lot higher back in that time frame of uh, time frame of 2017. Why can I not get that same price? Well, market market conditions now are not the same. Well, you know, I won't put you on a, on a uh, political spot, but yeah. you, we can thank Kathleen Wynne, yeah. <laughs> of course, yeah, for for, for a little bit of a fair housing. But <laughs> you know, and, and it's funny because you know, you you and I live and breathe the marketplaces. You know, we're always on top of the numbers. And, you know, and and there's a lot of stuff in the news today where people are just, you know, the chomping at the bit. But let's 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 go back to the heat part of the market, and then and then you and I are going to jump into right now in the market that you're living and breathing. Um, how about the fact that you know multiple offers, you know, they were out of control. People were going firm on properties that there's no way they should have. You know, people were just bidding crazy, crazy. What were you experiencing then? And not only were they going crazy on prices. Todd, they, some of these buyers weren't even actually seeing the homes. And so the, the, their realtors would have uh, sent it to them by email. They would have looked at some virtual pictures and said, you know what, let's just get into the market. If it's listed for a uh, million dollars, it doesn't matter. Let's put in 1.2, 1.3. And again, without even seeing it, let alone doing a home inspection, um, not even making sure their financing is wrapped up. It was a crazy time in 17. And... I actually feel there's, there wasn't a lot of protection for the buyers because realtors weren't explaining to the buyers, hey, you got to go out and do a home inspection. 
Let's yeah. go see this home. Let's get it inspected. Yeah, I'm glad. I'm, I'm glad you actually touched on that because you know I had um, I, I've had some of the reps from Rico and and you know they they obviously you know they're the advocates for making sure that realtors do follow rules and regulations. And a lot of realtors were just sitting there saying, "Look at if and 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 in 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 all good conscience, I mean you you know you do this full time, which is awesome." Um, I know that, uh, you know, I, I've always, if you listen to the show, you know that I always commend full-time realtors, people that are professionals, doing it for a long period of time. I'm not a big fan of the guys that just kind of, you know, come in, grip it, rip it, and take off. Um, but the point the point is, is that, you know, um, even even the best intentions out there, people came to the point where it's like, I don't want to lose this deal. I need this house. And the only advice the realtor could say would be the firmest, biggest price, you know, biggest deposit, non-refundable, like, you know, there was deals that, you know, were brought across the board that we were taking, you know, you know, people would have discussions about. And it's like, they'd be coming in, as you said, you know, maybe not even seen the house, no home inspection, nothing, you know, and they're sitting there saying, no matter what, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll give them 50,000 more than the last bid. And it's like, wow. And the, the funny thing is, is that this was for such a short period of time. This, this, this literally, you know, it wasn't, you know, yeah, we had a good run up, but out of nowhere, um, it was a spike in a market. And I, I wouldn't even call it a bubble because it just, it happened so quick, so fast, and then dropped again. You know what the old saying, right? Whatever goes up that fast must come down. And it was scary to see what was happening in areas because what we like to do is we like to look at what have comparable homes sold for when when putting in an offer on a property and so todd you know we will go on mls take a look at you know how many days on market how many listings sold in a certain period of time and what we were noticing buyers doing it was like a crapshoot there's eight nine twelve fourteen offers on a property just go the highest you possible possibly can was some of the advices that we were hearing from uh, other realtors from a listing agent's perspective it was like just Give me the best offer. Make sure it's firm. There's no conditions and a very, very high deposit. I, and I get why they were doing that. They're protecting the seller as they should to get the highest price possible. Sure. Yeah. You know, and 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 the whole fairness. You know, it, it does. It was skewed. Uh, definitely in the seller's favor there for a long period of time. And you know, even with the the percentage run up that we were running with. Now, here's the thing. Let's let's you and I. Okay. Let's you know, hop in our time machine. Now yeah. we're in present day. Yes. And uh, here's the fact. Um, numbers out uh, in March. You know, March over March, 14.6% down in price. Now, of course, you know, I always, and, and, and I'm pretty sure you, you, you know, again, you live and breathe these numbers. When the headlines say market down by 40%, people sometimes, mis, you know, mistake that for price versus volume. If it bleeds, it leads, right? Exactly. <laughs> you know, and, and here's the hardest thing for most of us is that, you know, you got to kind of drill down. So if you skim the headlines, you're going to have an ulcer. Yeah. <laughs> it's so true, right? I mean, the numbers just came out uh, yesterday, and you know, we noticed that again. Uh, you're seeing market price f from what the headlines are telling you that prices are down by forty percent. No, sales volume is down, yep. and they're comparing it to last year within that same time period, January to April, which was the hottest ever on record. Yep. And so, I guess the best analogy that I like to use is, you know, we were doing 180 kilometers on the highway, and now we're down to 120, and that's where it's normal. This is a yep. very normal market that we're in now. Yeah, and I'm glad you pointed that out because, you know, the one thing that um, we haven't had for a few years was a 
normal, let's say, spring, summer, fall, winter market. Yes. You know, like the, 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 the heat was you know, from 2015. It never let up. And if you talk to mortgage brokers, talk to realtors like yourself, it was like, yeah, look, a busy summer. It didn't let up. A busy fall, busy winter. And, and you know, we had that full circle all the way around till, as we said, the spring of 2017. But this year, this year we actually, I think, um, even though the numbers are all off of 2017, we're starting to see a normalized market because from January to February, up about 2.1%. From yeah. February to March, up about 2.7%. That's what we used to see every single year. You know, like you start off January in one place yeah. and you kind of fin finish out in December at another. And then everybody goes, okay, great. You know what? Got, just got my credit card bill. Yeah. Got to sell. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, so, sure. so so I think, I think if we could would get away from 2017 which again you know i'm sure a lot of people wish they could get away from 2017 <laughs> right but at the end of the day i think i think if the numbers really do come through come through i think that we're going to see a little normal market this year i couldn't agree with you more todd i mean in january we normally see it's a cold winter and this winter was cold i know we didn't get a lot of snow but it was cold and so not not as many buyers want to go out and start shopping for homes and so we did see you know sales slower in January, but if you compare it to years in the past, 16, 15, 14, it was very similar, right? So again, aside from the 17 year, uh, you're still seeing normal numbers from January, February, March. I think we'll end up this year, again, don't have the crystal ball, but I think we'll end up with, you know, an average of anywhere from five to six uh, appreciation in terms of homes, which yep. is very normal if you look at over a 15 20 year period yeah it's a healthy it's a healthy market. healthy market and and we need to get there um let's talk about interest rates you know uh they're they're saying that probably april we may or may not see a bit of a a blip up again but they're they're actually pulling back they're saying the economy's not quite there do you think that with the new stress test interest rate increases you know and and also you know the fair housing act do you think that we've we've really taken all the wind out of the sails i don't think so yet um I, I here's the thing i think it always comes back down to supply and demand and specifically in the greater toronto area uh we just have too much demand we have you know 110,000 people coming into the greater toronto area year over year for the next 10 years from a supply perspective until the government figures out this greenbelt legislation and lets developers start to sprawl out and build out more subdivisions or figure something out now i'm also an advocate of needing green space so i think there's has to be something figured out from that perspective and that's why we're still seeing so many more condos being built up because we can't build out wide we can only build up up now in, into the sky and it's why we're seeing so many cranes going down the dvp and the gardener yeah you know in the interesting point because you know we can we can definitely say that you know we're short on inventory in the marketplace and we've got you know lots of immigration coming in and toronto is the hub you know looking at a hundred thousand people immigrating into the city this year alone and you know again they're looking for houses to live in um you know, last year we finished up at about uh, about ninety three thousand transactions, yeah. roughly, yeah. in the GTA market. Still a good year, fourth best on record. Even though you know most people would say it was a waning year. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I think we'll end up right around there, maybe slightly under, maybe closer to the eighty to eighty five thousand dollar. Uh, sorry, eighty five thousand uh, homes sold this year. Again, very, very healthy and balanced. In some areas, we still are seeing seller, sellers, uh, it being a seller's market, where again, there's just not, you, you mentioned it, Todd, there's not much inventory in some of the micro markets in the greater Toronto area. Yeah, excellent. We'll be back right after this.
And welcome back. So joining me right now, uh, he's actually a returning guest. It's Jazz Takar, and he is Senior Partner Sales Representative at the Real Estate Center, Royal LePage Signature uh, Realty. And welcome back, Jazz. Thanks a lot for having me, Todd. I thought that maybe, you know, you and I could have a little conversation about, you know, people that have kind of put themselves in a tough position because there are people out there that have committed to buying brand new homes last year, heat of the market. Now, as they kind of swing around to their closing, the houses aren't worth the same price. You know, like we've seen, a, you know, we've seen a substantial change in the marketplace, you know, get, getting through, you know, pretty much February, March and April, you know, we, we've seen some downturns. We knew we would, but they paid in the peak. Um, where, where do people go from here? What kind of advice can you give them? Well, I, I think we first want to start off seeing, you know, what did they purchase, making sure, because we have also seen those issues in terms of appraisals from the lenders not coming in at the same price at when the buyers had purchased these properties. Sure. Um, now, when we're looking at selling the property that they they want to move out of, we you know, the expectations have to come down from a seller's perspective in most areas, right? Because they're not going to be able to sell at the peak yeah. where they bought, and it's unfortunate. Um, and sometimes you just got to live with the fact that you're going to be selling for a little bit less, but always understand what what was the game plan and why were you thinking of moving? As long as you were trying to do this from a long-term perspective, things will come up again. You might take a little bit of a, a, a hit, so to speak, for a lack of a better word, in terms of what your selling price on your home will be. But if you're doing this over a long period of time, guys, we can, you know, we, we can look back 15 years and 20 years and even up to 50 years and see that values have always increased. So as long as you weren't in the business of buying and flipping, you'll be fine in the long term. Yeah, you know, and, and, and I like the way you put that because, you know, I always talk about investors and speculators. You know, speculators are for the for the quick buck. Yeah. And investors are in for the long haul. That uh, You know, you're creating wealth being an investor. You're creating cash being a speculator. Great point. And, you know, one of the things that has concerned me a lot over, especially the last 18 months, are the people that got into it with the mindset saying, you know, I can't lose on real estate because they think that they can sell it at any given time and make a profit. So they were never prepared that, you know, as you said, you, you, and you hit the nail on the head. Okay, did you buy it? What was your motivation to buy it? Did you buy it for yourself and your family to live in and create a you know family home? And I think that that should be the motivation for your for your for real estate. If you're buying it as an investment, you should be buying it for a cash flowing investment long term. If you overpaid on the price and you are now subsidizing this, <laughs> yeah. this is where we start talking about being a speculator, yeah. saying, hey, listen, let's watch this thing go up, right? <laughs> you know, we've got some people, uh, jazz, that are playing right now in the marketplace. They're buying some of the condos because. You and I both know condos still have some heat going on, yes. you know, the, the new stuff, you know, we're, we're approaching that a thousand dollars a square foot price brand new. Now, it's funny, though, there are still deals in the marketplace that people aren't I, I, I don't think they want to consider because, you know, a 15 year old building, it, it, it's almost like. People think they're buying a slum at yeah. this point because it's not the latest, greatest, newest thing. <laughs> well, and listen, you can go in and, and do some fix-ups to those type of condos. And the nice thing is when you go back looking at units that are 15, 20 years older, they're a little bit larger. Uh, and so you have larger bedrooms, larger principal rooms. You can go in and fix up the kitchen and rip up the carpet and put some flooring, maybe take out the wallpaper. I know wallpaper in some rooms rooms is still in style, so we can think maybe not the old pink wallpaper, but uh, we can still think about you know redoing those and 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 getting some built-in equity. And if you're thinking.
thinking from an investor's perspective, listen, a lot of a lot of people are thinking about downsizing into condos. And then we always have the millennials, which is now probably the biggest age group that are purchasing real estate. They're looking into condos as well. Sure. Well, that's your affordability, right? I mean, right. You know, we talk about detached homes, the lack of, you know, we can only go out so far. So if you're not going out, you're going up. Yeah. And, you know, this is this is where the big but but there's also a lifestyle because, you know, I, I'm pretty sure because you've been out, you've you've been living and breathing the, the marketplace lately. And, and when you go out to some of these condominiums, I mean, these are five star resorts. I mean, it's silly. You know, everybody's got granite countertops, stainless steel appliances. I mean, you know, and, and here I'm going to date myself. You know, when I when I bought my first place, you know, I had to take the Harvest Gold toilet out. Yeah. You know? <laughs> it's sort of like, you know, you got to start thinking to yourself, OK, you know, why are we doing this but hey listen you know what we we we, we built in equity we turned around we did the renovation had a great place to live and at the time you know we, we we turned it into our little palace um but it's tough you know prices out there on on, on that marketplace they they still rise for sure and, and listen i mean we've seen in the last month a uh, close to a 10 percent increase in condos and again it all comes down to what you just mentioned affordability yeah right and you know we we, we like to say you, you drive till you qualify. If you're looking for a kind of a, a single detached home, you might need to get out of the greater Toronto area to get into one of those homes. But downtown Toronto condos, you mentioned it again earlier, Todd, over $1,000 a square foot coming in at new uh, for new construction. But there's still deals out there. We're seeing launches. Was at a launch last night. King West, Liberty Village area in the area. They're all selling for $1,000 a square foot. But the launch release was at $900 a square foot. So essentially, there's a hundred, you know, close to a hundred dollar a square foot uh, uh, spread in terms of where you're buying and what they're selling for. Yeah, you know, and and, and interesting that you point that out. Um, was you know back to back to the fact that you know people are buying, or, you know, sometimes a little afraid of resale because they look at their maintenance fees, and you know, this is this is the one thing that I hope that people understand is that when you've got a little bit of an older condominium, you know, there are there is money that's being put into a reserve fund, and yes, your maintenance fees are a little bit higher when you start out. But people people may not realize is the fact that when you buy a brand new condo, that maintenance fee is kind of artificially low. You it's know, kind of an incentive. It to is get sure you exactly. In, right? It's yeah. like here, look at this tease. You know, it's like yeah. oh, two hundred and fifty dollars a month. Yeah, and and three years later, what do you mean it's five fifty? <laughs> what happened there? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like this 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 is one of those things that I caution people because you know they they say, listen, you know, I'm not spending the money on the maintenance fee so I can go a little higher in price. But you know what? When when people hit some of these older buildings, you know the maintenance fees don't go up as quick. You know, a 15-year-old building doesn't all of a sudden go up $200, you know, but a three-year-old building will. That's a great point, right? And when you're looking at the older condos, it's also the maintenance fees are based on square footage, right? And so if you're going to get a little larger square footage, including parking and or locker, you're going to be paying a little bit more on your maintenance fee. But you can budget for it for the next few years because they're not going to be increasing as quick. Well, you know, you, you, interesting point. You just said a locker. Isn't that the in-law suite? Yes. <laughs> I'll leave that one to you, Todd. <laughs> My wife's probably listening. That's right. <laughs> yeah, you got to be careful with that yeah. one for sure. Um, so, so what do you think? We're, you know, we're 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 going to round the corner into the summer. Do you think? Uh, do you think the? Do you think we're going to see a little slower summer this year? I think we will, right? Um, only because I, again, it's season 
seasonality to the marketplace uh, in the real estate market. And so what we're seeing right now uh, in this month and, you know, just coming into the spring, we're, we're starting to see a, a few more listings come up, which is normal. We see this every single year. The the flowers will start to come out and sellers start to say, let's let's move out, hon, before uh, the summer hits and we're going to be going away sure. and 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 or they want to make sure that they're ready to be in their new home before the new like uh, before September for uh, for when the kids go to school. Yeah. Yeah. No, it makes a lot of sense. Um, any pieces of advice for people now that are trying to sell, you know, markets adjusted, you know, um, what would be your best advice? Well, first question I would always ask is why do you want to sell? Like what, you know, what's the motivation there? And don't be afraid to, you know, get some stagers in the property. It's not like it was last year in 2017 where you just put up a for sale sign and the buyers are going to be, you know, already waiting for you to sell. So now you got to make sure you sit down with your realtor, figure out in the last 30, 60, 90 days what have homes sold for? How many are on the market? What is your competition? Book an appointment to see the homes around the corner. How are they showing? This is a time now that you need to make sure you put your best foot forward because we're not in 2017 anymore. It is a different marketplace. With that said, understand that homes are still selling. You just need to make sure you put your best foot forward. Yeah. You know, I think that's some great advice. And uh, and one of the things that I think people need to focus on, of course, is working with a professional realtor. Yes. And making sure that person has, you know, marketing is still key. You know, making sure they position it out there, make sure that they've described your home properly. Because a lot of, you know, at, at one point, you know, you'd see see MLS listings come out, they were incomplete and they would still sell. So, yeah. um, so Jazz, if people want to reach out to you, what's the best way? You can go on our website at the Real Estate Center and centers R E dot com or you can give us a call at 416-979-0333 well listen jazz always a pleasure to have you on the show thanks so much uh, for joining me this week thanks for having me todd excellent so folks that was mr jazz Dakar, senior partner at sales representative at the real estate center so I'd like to thank my guest this hour, Mike Chesahovsky from CBRE and Jazz Takar from the Real Estate Center. Always great to have these gentlemen on the show, and they're very informative. Of course, I want to thank Andre and Ian for keeping it simple this week, as they do every single week. Makes my life a lot easier, and I want to thank you for tuning in. Remember, I'm back next Saturday at 3 p.m. I'm your host, Todd C. Slater. You've been listening to Simply Real Estate right here on News Talk 1010.